Oh, yeah, we're going to confuse everybody because they're going to hear Simone's voice and they're going to think that it's Rocket, and then we're going to be all kinds of confused. <laughs> then, then, then who does that make you? It Steve? certainly doesn't make me Christina because I don't have that kind of knowledge, so I don't know what that makes me. <laughs> that might make me Breeze Dog is my, 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 my be what it makes me. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's a paradox. <laughs> uh, all right, let's start the go. show. Okay. Let's start the show. All right. Hi there, and welcome to Isometric Gaming with Perspective. This episode of Isometric is brought to you by Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, and we will tell you all about that later. For now, I am Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with Head of Development at Giant Space Cap, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Bri? I do not answer to the name Brianna Wu anymore. I'm sitting here. I have black eyeshadow smeared all over my eyes and forehead. I will only... <laughs> Answer to the name Imperator Furiosa for the entirety of this podcast. And I will let you know that, you know, if I decide to just drive this truck to the east, that's what's going to happen today. So, why is the eyeshadow on your forehead? Well, where else is it going to go? That's what Imperator Furiosa wears it. It's actually uh, like oil, but I don't have any oil around the house. Why are you driving to the east and not to the west where I live? Because that's how we do it, Simone. I don't, you don't ask questions. care how you do it on isometric. <laughs> So, so, so about, I have to ask you before Steve introduces you. I just want to show off the rails. Yeah, I want to say I want to say. So you started off as just an isometric listener, like you actually listened yes. to the show, and yes. then got an really actual podcast on this network with me, and now you are starring on Isometric. How does that feel? I'm screaming inside. It's crazy. (laughs) The best part is that I know my friends are going to listen to this episode, and they're going to be like, what? Mind blown. And then everyone will worship me as they should. It's been coming a long time, but now I think the moment is finally here when I ascend to (laughs) claim my throne on the West so that you and I fight. What did you just say? What did it when you ascend? Yeah, to claim the throne. Okay, we're going to remember that. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Steve? Okay. I think we should probably explain what's going on because uh, normally this is the part of the show where I would introduce, well, actually, probably 10 minutes from now is when I would introduce (laughs) uh, Maddie Myers. But Maddie is apparently on a bus with all of her recording equipment somewhere in Minnesota, but no Wi Fi. So um, we have uh, filling in for Maddie, we have a producer from Pixelkin.org, co host of the Rocket Podcast here on Relay FM, and consumer of fine sports anime everywhere simone de rochefort how are you doing simone <laughs> i'm doing so well that was a perfect intro thank you so much you know i i do my research you you sure do and it's paid off this is actually really funny that i'm subbing for maddie tonight because she is the only one of you that i have not spoken to or met and i huh. think that that's just going to that's going to keep happening, I guess. We're, it we'll could never be cross that path. you are actually Maddie, and this is it like a fight club kind of thing. Have you we know, ever yeah. seen them in yeah. the same place at the same time? I don't think we have. So, you know. Uh, that's, true. Uh, that's true. Are there any pictures on the internet of Simone wearing the Zero suit? I, I think that's what we need <laughs> to know. Are there any pictures of Maddie in the frog suit? I, I think it's more likely that we'd see Maddie in the frog suit. I think that's. I don't think that that's something that's that's out of the question to happen. Take the frog suit from my cold dead body. <laughs> I will not give it up. That's true. That, I think that was an offer. 
<laughs> She's just giving us the steps to get it. <laughs> is this like a quest? Is this like a Diablo yeah, quest? Speaking yeah. of Maddie, speaking of Maddie, I'm having a breaking Maddie update. She is going to be sending me updates on Isometric from the bus. So I'm just going to break into the podcast and just update it. And if you're following on the internet, you can use the hashtag MaddieBus. Um, so right now she is informing me that two boys have just gotten on the bus and they both have Mountain Dew and they smell like Mountain Dew. So I just wanted our listeners to know that as Maddie is on the bus. I'm upset with how often buses just ruin my podcasting. It did it with Simone going to that thing in Texas, PAX yep. something I did, I've never heard of. Uh, Christina, it happened to. And now Maddie, a bus has taken out Maddie. I feel like my new nemesis is bus. I well, was just going to say, it's, yeah. it's coming for all of us. We have senior editor from iWord.com and psychotherapist and pinball wizard, Georgia Dow. How you doing, Georgia? Hello. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Just good? good. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll say it again. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Meow. Are any buses Wait, near you right now, Georgia? Yeah. I just need to know so I can relax and enjoy this podcast. They don't have buses in Canada, Bree. They just have dog sleds. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Canada is an awesome economy, and they deserve our respect. <laughs> Wait, who are you? <laughs> I love Canada. Uh, yeah, I love Georgia Dow. Aww. You know, Georgia, we hung out this weekend, and this is a true story. So Georgia's tights were so gorgeous that I saw her in person. That I got to the office this morning, and I go, stop everything. Stop rendering everything. We're putting Georgia's tights in my game. And this is just alone, not, not even on joke. anything. They're just going to be right. called Georgia's they're tights. Just, they're just hanging out. No, right. we're adding them to Amelia's costume. So when, <gasps> you, when you play Revolution 60 PC, you will see Georgia's tights. It's going to be epic. That is amazing. <laughs> or creepy. Well. So, it's an homage. Well, they look kind of science fiction-y. Like, they look like you yeah. have armor on them, which yeah. are kind of awesome. That's exactly why I wore them. Yeah, yeah. So I look I, up, I actually search for clothing and armor together. Really? That's not even a joke. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't think that was a joke. That sounds like something very no, plausible even, that you would do. Yeah. Not yeah. even a joke. Looks science fiction-y. I mean, I could see you having like a chainmail sweater. I do. It's not even. That's not a joke. <laughs> I have a chainmail sweater uh, and then two shirts, and one that looks like dragon scales. You just have two shirts. That's it. Because you had you had to buy the chainmail sweater, and that was all you could afford after that. That was or? all I could afford after that. They're heavy. <laughs> I now decree Georgia is queen of the north. Ooh, thank you. I like that. <laughs> I like that, Georgia. Why, what are you doing with that old Twitter handle? Like, up there, right now. <laughs> Georgia <laughs> underscore Dow, Queen of the North. Mm-hmm. Or just change, you don't have to change your Twitter handle. I mean, you have you have your name, and somebody could steal your name, but you could oh, yeah. just change your display name to Queen of the right, North. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no one's getting a picture. In the chat room, they're asking for a picture of me in the tights. No. <laughs> you're just gonna have to take our word for it yeah you're just gonna have to believe it what you should give us is the link to where you bought the tights right. so that we can yeah. steal your look yeah I'll try I'll try to find it or, so, or some tights that are inferior so that nobody quite yeah. can steal your look <laughs> so is it true Georgia as you podcast in Canada you're sitting on like a, a throne made of, of ice and melted swords and you're in a big palace and there's a big sword right between like that you hold right there at your throne is that is that how you roll Queen of the North 
Yes, it is. Okay, good. Both servants. That's good. Yeah, you know, I, I went to school in Mississippi. I went to a public school in Mississippi, so my knowledge of Canada is not the best. But I just want you to know that's my mental picture that I have. So I just picture a lot of moose. Right, right. So we're we're not gonna. Should we talk about what we're not gonna talk about? <laughs> sure. So so we we will talk about this next week. But we all oh. this past this weekend went to Fun Spot in New Hampshire. So and and had a lot of fun, but we are not going to talk about any of that because it would not be fair to Maddie to no, exactly. talk Maddie about all the cool share. stuff that we did there. But we are so we're going to leave that for next week. But you, that's something for you to look forward to next week. So come back next week. It's a cliffhanger, just like the end of the Flash. <laughs> guys, guys, guys! Breaking, did. breaking from yes. Maddie Myers on Maddie Bus. A guy has just gotten on her bus and is carrying two slices of pizza. <gasps> Is he going I'm to hungry. I'm hungry, Bree. That wasn't text. Text one to Maddie Bus if you think that the guy should share the pizza, and right. text two to Maddie Bus if you think he should eat it all in one bite. I'm going to say I'm going to text three if you want to just have Maddie steal it. I think yeah. four. The and pizza run. is a trap. Obviously, I kind of like the idea of of telling Maddie exactly what to do on the bus, <laughs> and, and kind of like that, kind of like that lifeline game where we can just kind of respond to her with what she should do, and then have her do that, and then see what happens on the bus. It's going to end up being <laughs> Twitch plays Pokemon, except isometric <laughs> listeners play Maddie Bus. <laughs> right, a podcast sends Maddie to the slammer. Uh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Let's get to housekeeping. Yeah, go ahead, Brie. Yeah, Georgia, one of the really cool things about having uh, you know, a psychotherapist on the show is sometimes throughout my week, I am wondering about your perspective on various things in pop culture. So without getting like a, a value judgment, no, this is I am always I'm worried when you ask me these questions. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, it's uncomfortable. Uh, no, but, no, but, no. But, there's a, you know, Mary Sue, uh, you know, they, they came out this week and they said they were going to, you know, basically stop promoting Game of Thrones, even though they were really big fans of the show because they felt, um, you know, some of the rape, the rape scenes were exploitive. So I, I really, without getting like dark or heavy or anything like that, I guess um, I'm really wondering like from a clinical point of view, like when we talk about those kind of scenes being really triggering for rape survivors, is, is that like, is that's a real dynamic, right? Like what's the clinical pathology of that? Well, you go, you go through secondary, I don't know if this is going to be a, be a happy show guys. Um, (laughs) But you go through secondary trauma. If you've been through something and you see something similar happening on a TV show or even having a news article about it, or if, even if it's a fear of phobia and you've never gone through it, um, you go through a secondary trauma to that, especially if it's a character that you really care for. And uh, maybe you, you even see yourself similar in personality type to that character. Does that mean the, the other side of it does, is though are we going to clean out and clinically like you know cleanse everything that might be triggering or upsetting or um, irritating from our culture because these are things and issues that happen and I think that probably a better issue would be to talk about it and how do we deal with these things and like we can use this as something that is good this is a fictional novel it's not something that actually happened and I think that you know, I, I, I'm really torn about people like you can not watch any show that you want, but I, I think that 
changing the narrative that you think is important for your story is also a dangerous one just because someone may get upset. I remember someone telling a story about how they said that, you know, please have no one in the audience clap anymore. Just do jazz hands because it's going to cause someone a panic attack, perhaps. I'm like, "Ah," you know, that's just going way too far. We can't make the world fit everyone's piece. We have to help everyone heal so that they can fit in the world. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I actually don't have very strong opinions on that. I've actually only seen one episode of Game of Thrones, but I was just interested in your perspective on that. Like it sounds like it sounds like the pain of that is is legit and it's something that you should think about if you're making that as a creative person. Like this is something that really happens and I think that if we just yeah. hide our eyes from issues that really do happen to women in this world instead, mm-hmm. you should say what can I do to stop this from happening and I think that that could be a cusp to be able to do that. Yeah. Donate yeah. to some really good foundations, try to educate, have a conversation. What is, you know, yes and no and what sh- how do we treat people and why do we treat um, you know, certain people of the population in certain ways. Um, so I still watch Game of Thrones. Cool. Um, cool. Just on that side. But I, I also think that we should be sensitive to people that have gone through that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay, and then so we, we can go on to something. I don't even know if this is lighter. I don't know what this is. Um, <laughs> but we so we had a discussion about Easter eggs last week. I don't know if this is follow-up or this is just this is a weird thing that happened or whatever, but there was the day after we recorded that episode, Patricia Hernandez on Kotaku wrote this expose about the Kanye Quest game. And apparently there's like this whole hidden section that you can get into by typing certain things on the terminals. Kanye Quest is just kind of like this little, it was JRPG type thing. And she goes through this whole thing of like 40 minutes of inputting passwords into terminals and getting all these really weird random encounters. And then it eventually comes to the point where it's like a recruitment tool for the Ascension cult. What? (laughs) Yeah. There's like repeated mentions of ascending and it just gets weirder and weirder. And eventually it comes to a point where after you've gone through this whole quest, it's the one of the terminals says you have proven your worth once again. You have ascended. However, further ascension is always possible. If you do not wish to ascend further, your journey ends here. So please close this program by pressing Alt F4 or selecting the no option above. By selecting the yes option, you agree to participate further and you grant us permission to interact with your possessions. Would you like what? to participate? If you choose no, you get sent to the title screen. If you choose yes, it shows this. Over the following two-week period, we will interact with you and your possessions in several ways. Keep an eye out, as some of these ways may be subtle. Others may not be. We may attempt to contact you directly. If we do this, we will attempt to notify you of our presence using a keyword. If you still consent to participation, please select the yes option above. Do you wish to participate? This code sat in this game, which was like this game that came out for PC years ago. Years ago, it has never been discovered. And then all of a sudden, Patricia Hernandez gets this information left in a pastebin that for this one prompt, like if you enter in the word ascend in this prompt, which is like hidden earlier in the game, you get to like all this cool hidden stuff. So the coolest part of this is this game that kind of went viral has been hiding the secret for all these years. So that's just all I wanted to add to that. That is crazy. Yeah. 
This sounds like exactly the kind of thing where if you did it, you would start to convince yourself that people were actually breaking into your home over the consecutive right. weeks and like moving right. your stuff around. Oh, my God, that would make me so paranoid. Right. <laughs> so, so I mean, do you think that this is like a, a hoax? Is this actually like a cult thing? Like it, we kind of just brought this up. I put this in the kind of as a lark because we were talking about Easter eggs last week. And, and I read this thing and it just gets stranger and stranger. And it's like, what? Why well, would you go to all that length to put that stuff in? And then, well, I mean, from a programming point of view, it's not terribly. I mean, everything they added is. I mean, it's a feature, but we're not talking about months. We're talking about a few days. Yeah, you know. So it's it's not really that extensive. Um, I, I think the other thing, you know, this is this is my theory about it. Some of the time I feel socially distanced from other indie game developers because like my personality is very entrepreneur focused, very get some stuff done, like create a, a product that's gonna appeal to a mass number of people, like change the world. That's that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do. Um, a lot of indie game developers, and there's there's nothing wrong with this. It's a different personality type, but um, there are certain like psychological personality types that are very attracted to like loose associations cognitively of different ideas together, and they just kind of throw it out there mm-hmm. and just kind of wacky, strange ideas. They they really really enjoy that. It's it's a big part of Chan culture as well. So yeah. you know my my theory about this is not. I don't think it's anything insidious. I think you have some that just really enjoys like these kind of strange associations and found this ascend cult and just decide to add it to their game i remember i i don't remember the name of it unfortunately but i think there was another puzzle game that was released on um on phones that was no one has been able to reach the end of it it just keeps getting stranger and stranger and i really wish i remember the name of it right now but we were looking at it and there's like forum boards dedicated to figuring out the these bizarre puzzles in this game that's just made by this one guy in his house for the purpose of you know giving people kind of something to bash their heads against and it's it's inter- it's crazy that it stayed uncovered or hidden for so long if it were a yeah. real cult recruitment tool it would be a failure <laughs> so I, I just have one word to say yeah go for it kanye that's a good word. It's one of my favorite words. <laughs> yeah, that that's that explains everything. So you think Kanye, Kanye did it? You think Kanye did it? <laughs> you just think you just think it's You think Kanye, yeah. Do you think Kanye is a cultist? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying he he does some crazy stuff sometimes. And you know, you're playing the game, you like Kanye. Which crazy we all stuff, do. Kanye. Something strange happens, that's the word I throw out. I'm just like, uh Kanye. Have you played the Kanye Zone game? No. Oh my god! It is. Oh my god! It's so funny. You know the the lyrics to the that one song that I think the name of which I can't say. Uh, You're now watching the throne. Don't let me get in my zone. There's like a Kanye. There there. There's a Kanye head and all these little Kanye heads flying into the middle and you have to like blast them so that they don't get in the zone. And if he gets in the zone, then then you lose because Kanye got in his zone. So don't let me get in my zone. 
Don't let me get in my zone. Wow. Don't let me get in my zone. Wow. You can wow. look it up. It's really fun. You can play it in your browser. I, this I is not happening. Be, I, I can't agree to that. So it, I'm just going to give Kanye. you a Maddie Myers update. Um, right now, Ooh. she's saying she's on a bus and she's bored. So she took a picture of a weird nuclear power plant and put it on her Twitter. Huh. So, yeah. Oh, see, now that's coming together with this whole Ascension thing, and it's all making sense. Do you think Maddie's... Kanye could be driving Maddie's bus? Let me ask her. (laughs) I think Kanye is is driving her bus to to Ascension. That's where... Ascension, Minnesota. I think that's what's happening right now. It's all a conspiracy. It's all tied together. The buses, the Kanye's, the Ascensions. I mean, we already know that nothing good ever happens on a bus. Nothing. Nothing excellent has ever happened to me on a bus. What about you only meet Spice strange Girl. people who want to talk to you for no reason. The, the whole movie Spice Girl World took place on a bus. Like, remember? Hey, Come on. Like a, okay, a tour I, bus. I stand by my oh. statement. Whoa. <laughs> are, you, are you dissing with Spice Girls right now? Well, no. Yeah. I, I, no I, well, you know, conflict makes for good podcasting, so, you know. <laughs> you feel the We'd spice. have to stop the podcast so we could fight. <laughs> oh, you already want to fight me because of the Super Bowl, so, you know. It's, <laughs> We never got to do that. Well, no. That's because you ran away right after my panel at PAX, so. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next year, Steve. So uh, so this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code isometric at checkout to get 10% off. And uh, this is normally the part of the show where I would rattle off a list of features, but um, actually in the car on the way to FunSpot, um, Maureen was driving up and I drove back. Um, I actually moved my site over from Tumblr to Squarespace this week. Wow. So uh, my site, my personal site, which is at multiball.net, I moved over and it, it looks like 10 times better than it did. And it was like literally I was in the car with the laptop on my lap on like a personal hotspot in like the an, an hour of driving up through like the wilds of New Hampshire. And I was able to import my Tumblr feed. Uh, convert all my stuff over, like tweak the template. It was super easy. Oh my god, this is a million times it better, looks, isn't it? Isn't it really good? Right yeah, it's one of those things. Like looking at your old site, it's yeah. like I didn't want to tell you, like, hey, Steve, your site kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Well, I decided that I needed to do something a little bit that looked a little bit nicer, and so I, you know, I, I decided to take a swing at it. I figured, you know, I got a little bit of time to kill in the car. This and, is like one of those makeover shows. I know. This is like so. I want to see the before and after picture. Yeah. Um, I can, yeah, I can find the, I can find the before and put it in the, put it in the thing. Oh. But uh, yeah, the before. Well, no, it, I it, put a trigger warning on that. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of thing that I I put, you know, I just put together a site just to, um, you know, just to have something, and then I decided that I really needed to have something professional. And this looks like really, really good. And it's got, you know, it looks great on even on like an iPhone. It has this really cool thing where you press the little hamburger button, and it like the whole screen goes down to the navigation. It looks really cool, and it it literally it took me like an hour or two to move my site over and they made everything super easy. I mean, we've talked about all the sites that Bree has stood up. Like it seems like one a week that, that Bree puts yeah. together, but yeah. you know, taking it, I had a little bit more trepidation about taking my existing site and moving it over, but it was so easy. Mm-hmm. The difference is incredible. Like, yeah. it, it's still so simple and streamlined and beautiful, but it looks a thousand percent more professional somehow. Yeah. 
So I'm really, really happy with it. So it's just really easy just to move everything around and just get everything set up. And the templates are all really great. Like I just picked the first template that I that looked okay to me, and it just ended up looking like this, and it looked really, really nice. So if you would like to take your site from zero to hero like I did, you can go to Squarespace and uh, you can start a trial with no credit card required and you can start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And uh, when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code isometric to get 10% off your first purchase. That I did. I used my I used, I used our own code because why not? That's awesome. And, uh, and so use the offer code isometric to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for isometric. And we thank Squarespace so much for their support of this show and of all of Relay FM. I just got a tweet. Uh, Do not believe his lies is the name of the puzzle game that no one has solved. Thank you so much, Charles, for letting me know that. He is um, the best fan. Seriously. He yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah Simone, I feel like we were cheated somehow where we didn't get you on the show to sing random words of the Squarespace ad like you do on yeah. Rocket. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I felt, I felt like it was, it was really weird for me. It was awkward. Brie actually said to me this week, she's like, you know, Simone actually sings the ads, and I said, Brie, nobody wants that. Nobody's going to buy it. Nobody's going to go to our sponsors if I start singing random words out of the ad read. Like, that's that our ad, our sponsors are not going to be happy oh, with Oh, I you. like that, Taking Steve. risks. That sounds like a great idea. See, if Maddie did it, that would be okay. If I do oh, it, then that's going to yeah. be like... Steve, I think, I think Brie's right. I think it has to be you. No, I don't think yeah. that... I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> nobody I, I wants that. I second the motion. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about The Witcher. Wait, wait, wait. No, this is a democracy. This is a democracy. This is a cheerocracy, Brie. How do you vote? How do you vote, Uh, Wait, what are the choices? Uh, Steve sings or Steve doesn't. The sing. choices are Steve or oh, Steve doesn't sing yeah. or you or right. you don't get invited back on the show next week. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's wow. Like, me? I, I think that's what just happened. Yeah. You bought my vote. All right. Steve should not <laughs> sing ever. Steve is oh. probably a horrible singer and no one wants to hear him. <laughs> Maddie is. Is that what you wanted to hear? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. I wore a panda hat for you people. <laughs> and the whole chat room says no to me singing. So there you go. Uh-huh. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what kind of vote manipulation I can do behind the scenes. Let's go on to our next one. Yeah, so let's let's talk about... So The Witcher 3 came out this week, and because this is a new AAA release that comes out in the year 2015, uh, it came out, and it's apparently a really good game, but the internet is angry about it because that's what the internet does. <laughs> so apparently there are a number of people who are complaining particularly about the PC version of the game, it looks like, that... The um, that the game is not running at as high of a frame rate as they would like, and that the the visual effects of the game and the visual um, fidelity of the game is not what they were promised in in trailers and in demos. Uh, Kirk Hamilton over at Kotaku did a really in depth view into this and was going through and comparing what it looks like on PC and PS4 and talked about you know why people are angry and you know that. There are some people for whom they are that are spending a considerable amount of money on these gaming rigs. And so they're, you know, I guess I I don't even necessarily want to use the word understandably, but they're upset that they're not getting what they think that they paid for. And also going into what the the pre-order culture is kind of doing to the to stoke this anger. So, Georgia, why don't you take us through why? 
we get as upset as we do about what seems to be, you know, to somebody on the outside, like a really kind of minor um, controversy. Okay, so people make a demo of what a game is going to be like, and they want to create as much buzz as they can. So they try to make something that looks stunningly beautiful, plays really well, and that's going to get people to start talking about it, wanting to get it, hopefully pre-ordering, which gives them money and advertising and backing. And the longer someone has to wait for it, the more that we fantasize about what this game is going to look like and how it's going to play. And again, they put out the first demos before they even knew the systems that these the systems that they were going to play on were even out. Mm-hmm. So that creates something that we call in psychology, which is expectational debt. If you go into a movie thinking that something's going to be amazing and then it is good, you are disappointed because you went from a huge high to a low. And unfortunately, the way that we relate relationships is to the past, like what we expected and then what we got. And that's what expectational debt is. And so the unfortunate thing is that they made this great halo effect of something fabulous and beautiful and stunning that they could not keep up with, which created the back, the buzz, created people wanting to purchase it, did everything that they wanted to. But then because they they had something that did not come out as nice as what they had promised, and again, a lot of techies, we are like every single pixel is accounted for, um, which you could say is right or wrong, but that's the audience that you are like in the first place wanting you to, to lavish over, and that's why you've created something that's so stunningly beautiful. And then, of course, when you don't get what you had expected, you feel upset about it. And so... I understand why they make things, and it, of course, nothing can actually come out as beautiful um, as as what you often propose. But by doing that, you cannot then be upset that you get a backlash because you you ended up getting a bait and switch. Uh, Bree, they're not actually like this. Isn't something that's intentional. I mean, this is just kind of the reality of game dev, though, right? I'm, I'm holding my peace until you are all done talking. Oh, I'm just oh, gonna okay. Okay, okay, so, so we're we're right. we're holding in like breeze. Okay, so so, so Simone just, Yeah go let let Bree build up then, her rage and, and go then, ahead. All right. Bree will nope. Bree is counting down. I I had a lot of ugh, feelings about this because <laughs> I I'm curious about where this culture of graphic snobbery comes from. And I and I get like wanting our technology to be beautiful and functional and excellent. It feel feel good to interact with. The part of the article that stuck out to me was where the Project Red um, artist was talking about downgrading something versus optimizing something and how people are calling this, oh, they, they pulled back on the graphics, they they made it look ugly, where what they were really doing was making it work with the technology that we have right now and making it work probably with their production schedule. Um, Brie will probably have several things to say about that. What are you looking for from this game when I have not seen any complaints about the gameplay of it? I've actually heard surprisingly good things. And I, I've even heard really good things about, like, the female characters in the game, which is not what I was expecting from The Witcher 3. Uh, but that isn't what people are complaining about. They're complaining about, I wrote a, a list. They're complaining about the texture quality, about the shadow quality, about the grass density, about the bloom, et cetera, et cetera. And those are all important things for immersing you in the world of the game but it did not look bad it looked fine i watched a six minute video of someone detailing 
every like all these differences between the PS4 and the PC version of which, you know, they're they look basically the same. And I know people with expensive gaming rigs do expect better. But is that ultimately the reason that you are purchasing and playing this game so that you can admire the light shafts coming through the tree or so that you can experience a story, get immersed in a story and kind of enjoy yourself and with every game, I feel you have to kind of suspend disbelief because they all have sort of unrealistic elements that throw you out of being totally immersed in that world. I don't understand why this is such a huge, I guess, stopping point for the the graphic snobs. Not saying that in a derogatory way. I just don't understand it. So I'll say this. Like, I can understand... You know, wanting to get wanting to have something to show off your hardware, right? Like I remember when I first got an HD TV in like I don't know 2007 or 2008, and I just watched golf for hours. Not because I like golf, because golf is is terribly boring to me, but I just liked looking at it. You know what I mean? And and I can understand like if you spent you know some ridiculous amount of money on a gaming rig, wanting to get a game that was going to show it off. But then again then you're, it's your own fault for pre-ordering it. I mean, I don't understand. This is what I don't understand, because I feel like we we had this discussion with Watch Dogs, and we had this discussion with Assassin's Creed Unity. I'm sorry, Simone. And <laughs> why are you pre-ordering in 2015? Like, it's mm-hmm. there's no point. You can go to Amazon and buy the game and have it delivered to you probably in the same day with some crazy... A program that Amazon has. They'll probably drone deliver it to your house in an hour. Like, I actually have something to say about that. Would pre-ordering really make the difference here? If they want the game, they're going to get the game. If they expect something, then would, whether they pre-ordered it or not, really make a difference in how they react to it? Yeah, prob- I mean, it might not make a difference in how they react to it, but at least they would be able to save themselves the 60 or $70 to not to know at, at the time that it came out. I mean, this was this was really quick that this news yeah. came out. If you wait a couple of days, if you don't have to buy it on day one, if you can wait until Thursday or Friday and then go, I mean, you can go to Steam and download the thing. It's not even like you have to put on pants to go buy this game (laughs) like you can go and you can wait two days and see what the reviews are like and if it's really everything that you hope for and more then you put down the 60 dollars in humble or steam and then you buy it and download it and then you play it and you're happy and if not then you wait for the next thing to come along so i don't understand disappointment would be mitigated by the by not pre-ordering it yeah i mean i think that i think at least you wouldn't i think part of the anger it's not all of it but i think Mm -hmm. part of the anger is feeling like you wasted your money because i know that i feel that a lot with with Mm -hmm. games i felt that with destiny i wasn't like angry and you know sending screeds to the developers but i definitely like felt like i like i misspent my money and i felt bad about myself and i could see some people wanting to take that out on other people um why we've learned i don't have really any pity for anybody especially after assassin's creed unity that pre-orders a game and then is upset with what they get like you should have learned your lesson by now especially if you're somebody who's who's buying a gaming rig to play a game on then you should know what you're getting into and you should be just waiting a couple days to see if what it is and now haven't they watched the the show steve really they should know they should talk about this all the time we do and now Bree is going to tell is going to tell us exactly why they're wrong and uh, unle- unleash the fury. 
Are there any bookcases left in your in your in your office to smash, Bree? I mean, I, I'm gonna keep it. Quiet. Frank is getting a bookcase right now, so <laughs> she can smash. It is, is Frank actually on an IKEA run right now to bring you back like a bookcase and Swedish meatballs? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> guys. It's time to have an adult conversation about this. I've actually, I've really thought a lot about about doing a piece for Polygon about how much this anger culture is really making it impossible for professionals in the industry to do our jobs. This is absolutely freaking ridiculous and stupid. This is about people that it's not about logic. Like with all respect to everything you guys are saying, like, I feel like you're making reasonable logical (laughs) statements about why, what this, this, controversy is not reasonable this is not about logic this is about a consumer that feels beyond entitled and they enjoy sitting there and picking it apart as though they've been cheated by the world now like let's talk about the reality of bringing a game to market like as you're going through you set preliminary budgets for things like poly count for the number of textures you have in an area i assume this game uses uh like texture streaming as you're using from moving from one area to the next so every single like location is going to have a set number of static mesh pieces that they get to recycle within that. You're going to have certain textures that are loaded, and you're going to work within that, and you have a base budget system. Invariably, as you're actually putting the game together, as you're actually putting the game together, things change, right? Like, it's just a reality of putting together a game that is this huge. Like, when you beat The Witcher, you're going to look at the credits of it, and it's going to be hundreds of freaking names there. And these are people that have been sitting there for years of their life working on this and trying to get it right. And they are slaving trying to get this made for you. So, like, the target graphics changed this much in between, like, assembling the game and the final product. And by the way, if you just kept your entitled mouth shut for a week, they'd, like, have changed the INI files so you can go in there and change these details yourself. When you are a developer, you have a choice. You have it with a, like, several million dollar game like Witcher 3, and you have it when you're a small studio like Giant Space Cat. What are the specs you're going for? What is the consumer that you are going to go for? We made the same choice that WoW did, and we made the same choice that Witcher 3 made, that we set our tech specs very wide, meeting the needs of, like, older iPhones. Witcher 3 did the same thing, and they opened up their system recs to a wide variety of people so that they could sell the game. They actually talked about this in the response that they gave to Kirk Hamilton's piece, where, you know, like, this actually allowed them to get the funding to finish the freaking game. (laughs) This is so childish and stupid, guys. This is a gorgeous game. And nitpicking the graphics, like, we're about to go into the next topic. And the next topic is going to be talking about true artistry when it comes to creative choices in games. And, yeah, I'm not going to step all over that that topic here. But I do want to tell you a little freaking fact about texture detail. I have spent the last three days sitting in my computer. I was late for isometric tonight because I'm sitting there working with 2K maps, which are very high resolution. The entire 
point of this. Like, ask any texture artist that when you're sitting there and you want something that looks super professional, you literally sit there and you throw, like, some pattern, something in it that just overwhelms the eye. And, like, there's just so much detail there that you can't sit there and pick it out, but your brain just goes, like, oh, that's actual detail there. Now, if you get in really close, I don't care if you're looking at, like, the textures for Edie in Mass Effect or, like, my textures or even The Witcher. Like, if you really get close and look at it, like, at a certain point, they're getting, like, a liquefied texture thing and just smearing things to, like, bring in enough data there that looks, like, randomized that your eye just goes, oh, screw it. Like, I don't, I don't care. And it doesn't matter to your game experience. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't freaking matter. And if anything, as an industry, we need to get away from this idea about photorealistic detail. I agree it works for some games, like like a Call of Duty to a point, but there are real choices that we have to make as an industry. And I'm going to drop some real truth on you right now. So our industry is fragmented. And it is going to continue fragmenting. When Oculus comes out, it's going to fragment that much more. And the truth is, like when Konami is making a choice to get out of AAA stuff, it's because the costs are so freaking expensive that they're looking at it and saying, like, we can't bet $100, $150 million every single time we make a game. These levels of risk are insane. So if you really like AAA games, like, you need to have reasonable expectations. Like, if you're asking them to just, like, put uber detail on absolutely everything, like, this is a dead end for our industry. And I just, I think it's, like, chasing the absurd for the worst consumer on earth. And I just, it's, it, it, it bums me out so much in this field, guys. It is just, it, it's stomach churning to read this. I, you, I want to applaud you. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally agree. There's a huge difference between something like Assassin's Creed Unity, which had serious right. gameplay problems yeah. when it came right. out, and something like The Witcher, which doesn't look like a trailer that came out two years ago. IMO. Yeah, no, I'm, I agree yeah, with yeah, that, I too. Know. But I think yeah. that if you wait a week, then you'll find out and or you can or you can find <laughs> yeah, out that they're going to release something and then you can buy it and then you never have to look at those textures that are not satisfactory to you. <laughs> it, yes, it's childish. Totally These people yeah. are going to buy the game anyway. They like to yell. And like all it, the people who complained about Assassin's Creed Unity, the best game of 2014. <laughs> do you really feel that way? No. Okay. I really okay. liked it. Okay. No, that's fine. <laughs> well, yeah. Hundreds of people working on that game are not, you know, screwing up your art on purpose. No. They're doing the best that they can. They're, they made a choice to widen it out to people. Yeah. Like, optimization is hard, guys. It's really hard. So, Georgia, do you have any thoughts? I, I can completely understand it, but the, the, the trap that you get into is the same trap what happens when you get send out a movie preview and the trailer is awesome and then the movie comes out. You, you set yourself up, unfortunately, for it, and it's a pattern that happens a lot in like all kinds of fields, and that's why people get so irate. If you set expectations low, this date is going to be horrible, <laughs> and then you commit and you're like, I had a little bit of fun. This date was awesome. It gets played up. Everyone talks about it, and then... Because you expect it, again, you end up starting to count every single amount. Like, how fast does the app on my Apple Watch, <laughs> my Apple Watch actually load? And you're like, I'm used to my iPhone. This is hard. <laughs> you're describing my experiences with both Frozen and Age of Ultron right now. 
<laughs> we could get into a huge debate about both movies, but <laughs> we, we better not because we can do that. But that's yeah. what we do when we care about something so much. You know, every single shade of, you know, whatever little bit we, we end up picking apart because we care so much about it, unfortunately. That's, that's the thing, I guess, that makes it different with games. Because, like, I remember seeing the trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean 3 and thinking, holy crap, this looks great. And then it was disappointing. <laughs> but what was disappointing was just the general plot, the general lackluster everything about that movie what's disappointing people about the witcher and what they're getting so frothingly upset about is oh, that... i like that word <laughs> thank you <laughs> mad. but it, it just it seems like a minor thing to be concerned about in the first place yeah and i'm i'm a tech person so like i'll put myself in this ring so don't send me any tweets <laughs> But that's what we care about. How fast yeah. is this computer? How much RAM does it have? Yeah. You know, you know, what's the resolution on the screen? I don't really care about the resolution on the screen. But I'm of the minority of that. And, you know, yeah. most of the other tech people that I hang out with know every single stat on everything. And if it can fly, you know, a fraction of a second faster, they're buying it or they're complaining about it. That's fair. Um, are are you judging Apple people, Georgia? I know you're talking about some other tech <laughs> people. I know you're talking. I will have talking. no friends. Quick, Georgia, assemble your Thoreau? heartbeat. Are you talking smack about Paul Thoreau? No. On no. on this really? Oh man! Oh, I'll be fired. They come. They have pitchforks and weapons. <laughs> they throw throw apples and stuff. I, I mean, I just, you know, I'm, I, I'm just also there was something a couple weeks ago that that lawsuit that that guy brought on Killzone that mm-hmm. it wasn't it, it wasn't 1080p or 1080p enough for him was thrown out uh, a couple weeks ago. But it, again, it's that's the same type of thing. Like you're going to go to the trouble of of making a lawsuit for five million dollars. And first of all, because you didn't get enough peas in your game and who cares? And then that's money that's not going into the next game that they want to make for you. Yeah. I mean, not that these not that these companies are like, you know, are charities. Yeah. But, you know, at, at a certain point, there's just diminishing returns. And yeah. I mean, the people who are going to see this are the people who are already spending like thousands and thousands of dollars on gaming rigs. And it's like from a general like cost benefit thing like how many of those people are there how many people are even going to see the stuff that you're building i mean eventually they will because you know technology improves but you know everyone will have moved on to whatever the next game is by then well we could look at this as a positive thing maybe people will get um so upset at all these like you know these big name developers and then take a look at some indie games and uh, we can start um you know a new generation of of gaming that's different I don't think I we like want to sick these people on indie developers, Georgia. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> it was I a nice we note friends, to end on, though. <laughs> <laughs> what the? God. I didn't think there were enough Betrayed by Georgia Dow. Queen of the door. Hey, you got me fired, <laughs> You got me fired. Now I have to I have to work for something. So now I'm oh. I'm joining wearing wearing my pants and like running around so that you can text your map. You're gonna me wear pants? <laughs> well, yeah. How else is she going to do videos of her iPhone? 
Oh, oh, Steve, burnt by Steve. Oh. Well, Georgia, if you do get fired from IMOR, we need a new nonsense coordinator at GSX, and we'll hire you for your nonsense. You know, I'm probably more trouble than I'm worth. I'm just telling you. I work here, so, you know. Yeah, but you and I together in a, a room. Oh, we'll make yeah. Amanda just bat. Yes, you know, like it's going to be glorious. Uh, I, I think you'll regret it the first time that the Candy Crush tournament takes over the GSX offices, though, and then oh, everybody loses candy. all that productivity. Pickle and Candy Crush, you see, I know um, how to. I, I, there's give and take. Come work at GSX, and we'll develop a Candy Crush competitor that will crush Candy Crush. <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, speaking speaking of indie developers, why don't we move on to that piece that that Bree referenced, um, which is about a this is a company called Dino Farm Games um, that's does, has done a few titles on the App Store. The one that they were referencing in this. Uh, in this article was called Aro that that just came out recently, and uh, their art style is meticulous pixel art, and they done a lot of you know detailed work putting that type of art together for all of their games, and they wrote this article saying why they're not going to be doing that anymore. Uh, going through a lot of the history of once pixel art became like a choice as opposed to the thing that you had to do in order to get your game onto the screen and going through a lot of uh, detailed examples of what makes good pixel art as opposed to bad pixel art. I mean, taking was that Link's Awakening versus it looks like Bubsy. Uh, and talking about how King of Fighters 13 has incredible animations done with very detailed pixel art, but was panned in reviews for looking pixelated as opposed to uh, Street Fighter, Street Fight, one of the Street Fighter games that came out around the same time, Street Fighter 4, which had animations that were done in HD, but were inferior to the ones that were done in the pixel art, and talking about how they... I've made the decision that it's since it's not really gaining them anything in the marketplace and, and people really don't appreciate the work that's going into it, that they're going to embrace the medium that they have to work with. And they're going to go to more hand-drawn art and more higher resolution art and not spend the time on, on the pixel art. So I know that I definitely do appreciate pixel art being, you know, the nostalgia person that I am. Uh, but I can def- I can also see his point with what it, with making a business decision. But I, I don't. I had mixed feelings about this. But what? Did, so what did you, Brie? You had? Do you want to? Do you want to let your anger build up again, or do you no, want to? No, no, it's not anger. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I need to let your rage build, or if you know you you want to go first. But go ahead. No, it's it's love for everything this guy is talking yeah. about in, in this piece. Was it was it a guy or a girl that wrote this? Um, this I thought it was a girl. Actually, this was Blake Reynolds, so that could go either way. Okay, yeah, so this know, person, actually. this person, um, you know, like, I, I really love the example they showed at the beginning of this piece where they're they're taking this shot of the, the sprite artwork from, you know, a Game Boy, like an old school four-color Game Boy original title, and talking about how it was better art than Bubsy, you know, which was a 16-bit title, and, and saying how, like, even though one was technically more sophisticated, another was better art, and they were absolutely right. Like the art for Zelda was was beautiful, and then you know they they made some animated um, gifs of Street Fighter, and looking at Street Fighter Three, some of the gorgeous animations for that game, which was pixel based, um, and comparing it to Street Fighter Four, which I love. Their overall point was, you know, pixel art 
it's a stylistic choice. And just because, like, you can do polygons, sometimes sprites can be even more beautiful, especially if you really think about the animation behind it. And yet, like, there's this thing called the pixel tax, which I think is so relevant to what we're talking about with, um, you know, these Witcher 3 dissatisfied consumers. And the idea of the pixel tax is... If you see any of the pixels in something like Street Fighter 3 versus Street Fighter 4, then the modern consumer, our our brains kind of ding it a peg. Even though they were showing some examples of where, you know, the pixelated artwork was clearly with more artistic merit. But that's asking, like, the consumer to kind of put away this um, fallacy in their mind that, you know, newer is better. And it's just simply not the case. And I just, I love this piece. Like, I'm a 3D person. I really doubt I'll ever ship a game that's 2D. I I really love this because it was talking about the artistry of it. I know I'm really guilty of this. Like, Georgia, you were you were saying in jest a minute ago, talking about people that just want something faster and newer and memorized all the specs. Like, hey, I'm in the, the Relay chat room comparing the new Retina MacBook specs with Marco this week <laughs> along with everyone else. Um, I'm very guilty of that. But I think that... I, I think we're really guilty of this as a society. That, guys, there is never, ever ever been a moment in all of human history where you've had more people doing more awesome creative work than right now. And what what frustrates me as a game developer is so often, like because this is my job, I kind of see the many layers of artistry that are in these games. And, you know, like I'll look at a texture and think about the team that did that. And I'll think about the team that did animations and another that did level design and streaming. And then I'll see like this dissatisfied gamer like cross their arms and go, meh. Which is just the worst mm-hmm. word in the entire human language. I mean, it, it's so mm-hmm. thoughtless and dismissive. Yeah. And I, what I appreciated about this article is it, it made me realize a fallacy that I had in my own mind. And I felt like it helped me see more beauty in video games. So yeah. that's why I love this piece. That was the experience I had with it, too. I, I went into it um, actually on the defensive because I thought it was going to be kind of a old cadre. No, none of these millennials appreciate the pixels. It wasn't <laughs> that at all. And I came out of it really humbled because I did not understand how much detail goes into hand-placing pixels to make an image. And I, I think... I don't know. I assumed wrongly, and I think a lot of people perhaps my age, I don't know. No, I'm not going to speak for all millennials. I won't slander you. I'll slander myself. I had assumed wrongly or that that was more of an automatic process, and I was wrong about that. And what it really ultimately made me think of was with um, physical art. You know, I don't understand abstract art. I can I can appreciate that that is art. Somebody intentionally placed those strokes there. You know, Picasso intentionally created that deformed face because it had meaning for him. And I understand that even though I don't like the way it looks. I think that people who look at pixel art don't don't necessarily appreciate that because it's not physical art, because it is digital art. There is kind of a gulf there of understanding about the intentionality of it, if that makes sense. 
I think, uh, and I know that there is definitely a lot of disregard for digital artists in general. Um, even in more painterly styles of digital art, they're physical people who work with paints and pastels and all things like that. There have been rifts between those communities of physical art and digital art. And I think that this is just kind of exacerbating that you, you create something intentional in a style, but because it doesn't have the realism that we expect from digital art, it is disregarded and i think that's sad so eh, congratulations for changing my point of view blake reynolds i guess the one the one problem that i had with this piece is that he he goes there's a section where he's talking about they the, they the, go they they it, i actually read down to the bottom it says he in the bio oh, okay good, good, good. so now it, we know so now it, it know. is he there's a part that he's saying in the piece where it has a con where a lot of the reviews are describing the game as retro when it mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, that's uh, you know, fair for him to complain about that, but I think that you also send a message with the choices that you're making. And if you're going to choose a form of art that is of another age, that you're going to get the connotation that your game is from another age. I mean, I won't shut up about Axiom Verge. And Axiom Verge is also done all in pixel art, and the bosses in particular are amazing. But this is also very clearly a throwback to Super Metroid. And so it's a throwback to that time, and so he's choosing that art style to add to that sense that you're playing a game from that era. And I think that there is something to be said for the fact that if you do make a conscious choice to go with pixel art, that that is going to be a connotation that goes along with your game it's just something that it says like if you were to if you were to film a black and a movie all in black and white right now that would send a message that you know it was from another time before color film was invented i mean that's it's there's a number of other things that go along with that so i but i also and the other thing that i wondered about this is that he is primarily targeting ios and i wonder if the the large breadth of audience that maybe doesn't have the context has Mm. something to do with the fact uh, with how his art is being received because again i don't remember hearing a lot of those kinds of comments about axiom verge that there was not anyone you know saying that it was pixelated or that the graphics were were not good because that was kind of an expectation based on what the game was and based on the platform that was on and based on the people who were consuming it that they understood what that meant i'm not i'm not saying that the ios you know audience is unsophisticated but you do have a lot of people who haven't been gaming for a long time or haven't been gaming as long as as you know someone who would have gone through all of that and they may not recognize that that is a conscious choice and they may just look at it and say well this looks this looks kind of kind of jagged that is a really good point i had not thought of that i do agree with you about the retro thing actually i've always thought of that as just a name for the style rather than or rather than being an homage just like it being the name for the style of pixel art so i did not know that that was a thing georgia what do you think you're 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 the uh the super hardcore retro gamer of the four of us with the arcade machine in your basement and everything (laughs) what do you think I think that when I read the article, it just kind of made me feel sad that he was choosing to give up on his art style because other people um, are no longer Responding buying into it. it and that they, they they were judging it upon a certain standard that they could not actually compete against because of the amount of time that one takes versus the other. But unfortunately, art styles and tastes change as with the times and you know, we have to evolve into that. I, I think that there's something really nice about 
um, pixel games. I, I am not someone that actually truly cares about the graphics of the game. I, I really like the gameplay and how I feel while I play the game. That being said, you know, if a game is poorly rendered or like with not, without thought, if I think that they went through things, I might be offended by that, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in some standards, because I'm trying to immerse myself in a certain realm. So if I'm playing a game that I expect to play, as what I would consider a retro game, like Steve was saying, then I'm fine with that. But if I'm, if you're expecting a greater gameplay or it's really, really expensive, and I get it, pixel art takes more time to make, that might be something that I might feel a disservice on. So I, I think that the article, it just made me feel kind of sad because, yes, times are changing and people are, you know, expecting more. We have a consumerist society that, you know, where games are becoming cheaper and cheaper to get, unfortunately, with so many people buying iOS games that are exceptionally cheap, you know, when you spend 60 to $70 on a game, you're going to expect much more. And so mm. it, it becomes difficult to make a game that's going to be cost effective if there's a lot of hours of artwork that are going into that to be made. But, you know, unfortunately, I think that that's the way that we are going is that people are expecting a different set of gameplay for what they're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. That is the problem. It has to be, it's not just his art style. It's also a consumer product that has to be that successful. Sad day. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I just feel like if he wants to do that, he should do that. I just, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, you just need to know who your audience is and, and, you know, make Mm -hmm. sure that you're, I mean, I know he's saying that even the retro games audience is kind of doing horrible things to Yoshi in that article to, you know, to (laughs) to make it look more line drawn, but I don't know what he should do. No, what he should do is he could, should put out a preview game with like eight bit graphics. And then the <gasps> real game has 16-bit graphics. Oh. And then everyone's like, wow. And like, wow, we're, we got to buy like six of them now because it's so much better than what we'd expected. It would be like the reverse Witcher. I feel like that argument is somewhat reductive because I think that any art style can work with any given product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think, you know, I work in polygonal art, but I don't think, I think 2D and pixel artwork has succeeded in the marketplace. I think it will continue to succeed in the marketplace. And I just, I think it's unrealistic to be defeatist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think with any creative project, you look at it, you learn your lessons, you move on and you get better. And, you know, I, I just don't accept, I, I don't accept that defeatist tendency. I mean, the most the most popular game in the world right now is Minecraft, and that is True. you know True. like definitely not you know super super high definition games. I mean, I just listened to you, Simone, talking on Gaming with the Moms this week about um, about Minecraft and why you know they made the choices to uh, show the graphics or have the graphical style that they did and what that what what kind of effect that has on the game too. So yeah, Minecraft is one of those. Uh, pixel art works that I actually think is really beautiful, especially with some of the texture packs that people have downloaded. And Minecraft is great because it's an example of the, the art fitting the final product so well, because you could not make that game as an indie studio with more complex shapes and things. It has to be squares because you have notch person, you know, in putting this thing together all by himself. And now it's a bigger studio, but I really appreciate that. And I actually I have a question for you, Brie, because one of the things that Blake mentions in this article is how different phones and different screen sizes ended up mucking with 
oh, the, yeah. the look of the game. Oh, so yeah. is that something that if they had been a bigger studio, they would have been able to kind of optimize for different models? Or Well, let me ask you, what, what devices did they release to Android or not? No, they it's released cool. it to Android as well. Okay, I mean, Android, as I understand it, and, and keep in mind, I'm not an Android expert, but Android will scale up and scale down and just do bicubic scaling, like, through the, the graphics card to, like, render this stuff at different resolutions. Um, anyone worth their salt, frankly, uh, that works on iOS, like, will will pick up tools that let you actually work at a pixel level per device for your artwork. We did mm-hmm. for Rev60, the different, like, the, um, the interface that you see on an iPad iPad mini is literally a different interface that we designed than the interface on like a, an iPhone. It's God, there's a, I could talk about dithering and a whole different thing there, but it is, it is true. If you do it correctly on iOS, you don't have to. So yeah, I'm just going to put that out there, but um, you know, it is true that it can, it can muck that up and, and bicubically scale it up or down. Yeah, it it actually one of the tricks on the iPhone six plus is um, this is really interesting. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't submitting to the store because it will tell you that like it renders in nineteen twenty, and what it actually does is it renders a little bit bigger than that and down samples actually at a graphic card level, which is oh. a complete pain in the butt. So, no, yeah. yeah, I how much do you guys think that? Uh, appreciation for pixel art is driven by nostalgia and how much by appreciation for pixel art as art. Oh, oh, can I answer this? (laughs) Yeah. Can I answer this? So I've been so judgmental my entire life. I, I remember growing up and seeing like my parents' nostalgia for 50s diners and stuff and thought god that is so stupid and like even even with frank i i see it to a certain extent where he kind of um he he romanticizes 70s muscle cars and things that happened when he was growing up those cars are hot come on oh i think they're aggressive i think they're aggressive and inefficient hot well, okay. okay. You will disagree. You and Frank are like you two and muscle cars, so you should you should talk. I think our generation, it is almost frightening to me to see just how nostalgia is like a drug almost to us. And you know, I've seen how like the Nintendo Entertainment System, and look, I'm guilty of this too, but it's almost become like like Final Fantasy Six is almost a religious text, right? That, like we worship Isn't it? and Isn't it? It, it is. It okay. is. Yeah. I, I think it's all fueled by nostalgia. And maybe I think part of that is like no offense to you, Simone, but compared to like the nineties, like you were growing up in an apocalypse, like Hunger Games, <laughs> like a yeah. Hunger Games like economy. And it's dark. And yeah, like for me, it was like, oh, Seinfeld's going off the air. Oh no. Um, so I think it's just a, I think some of that nostalgia makes sense. But uh yeah. What I mean, you don't get four Transformers movies without nostalgia. I'll just say that. Ugh. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> and a new generation to have nostalgia for the modern crappy Transformers movies. It's funny because my generation has a ton of nostalgia too, but we do not necessarily have nostalgia for pixel art because that's not something that was in its heyday, I guess, in the whatever mid 90s. Not that I, whenever I became a conscious being and was able to consume art, I don't remember when that was. What was your first console, Simone? I mean, it's, it's rude to ask a lady her um, age, but, you know. Frank, build a bookcase. Build a bookcase. Okay. <laughs> I, I 
I'm actually a horrible example of this because I was not allowed to have consoles growing up or handheld devices. Uh, my first, I, technically, it would be the Xbox because sometimes my dad would go out of town and then we'd be able um, on business trips and then we You'd would rent an it. Xbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really fun. It was great. So I played like Halo and SSX Tricky. Um, <laughs> oh, SSX Tricky was the SSX best. SSX Tricky was your Mario? Oh, you poor girl. I know. And again, poor, this isn't oh. necessarily a mark of my age, but more like how I was brought up. I know Courtney, who is my same age, was brought up like on all the Zelda games and everything, everything Nintendo. Why isn't she on this podcast? Steve and you, Steve, you and Courtney. We'll, we'll get yeah. Courtney. We'll get Courtney on, yeah. you know, the next time that Maddie's <laughs> taking a bus. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I grew up in an age when graphics were starting to attempt to look a little more realistic, but we're still in that awkward, awkward stage. Yeah. So yeah, you would, you definitely wouldn't Is that have a any bus in the background. Probably. <laughs> I think that's Maddie's bus. I think Maddie's I think coming yeah. for you. She's here. She's here to take me out. Uh. <laughs> She's come back from the wilds of Minnesota wearing whatever eye black they have from the Mad Max movie. Have we had any <laughs> updates from Maddie? Is she still alive? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's... Breaking breaking Maddie news. Okay. She confirms it's not Kanye driving the bus. It's a kindly old lady. But she <gasps> says she cannot confirm or deny if, if she is a cult leader. And she also says that that woman did not check her ID when she got on the bus, and that's pretty suspicious. So I want everyone to go tweet right now to the hashtag Pray for Maddie. <laughs> go do that right now. I, I mean, how do we know that that's not really Kanye in an, in an elaborate it disguise? Could. It could. It could be. It could be. Trust me. <sighs> All right. Should we, should we go on to what we're playing? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, Simone, you're our guest, so you can you can go first. What are you What are you playing this week? So I have been pl- I should have been playing Life is Strange episode three. I have been playing exclusively Hearthstone and oh. Neko Atsume, which freaking everyone is. Why are Why are you Why are you? Oh, I'm sorry. My mouth, like my autonomic <laughs> nervous system, overloads my mouth. Why well, should just shut up? Simone, after the after no. the show, we need to exchange right. battle net IDs because I've been Absolutely. playing an unhealthy amount of Hearthstone lately myself. So, so you have Nicole Tanner to blame for this because I had not played it yet. I was like oh, Hearthstone uh, cards, and then she was like, "You must play this game." And I started, and I'm not very far at all. Uh, I talked about this a bit on Gaming with the Moms, which I think will come out on Friday, but. Oh my god, those freaking practice battles are so hard, Steve. How am I going to get past them? Wait, the- I've got Gage and Rogue, and that's literally it, because I can't freaking beat any of the like practice people people because they're weak i can crush them it'll get easier once you learn how the cards you know play against each other and you might you might just need to go and just play against some people to kind of see some different strategies because that kind of helps too i mean it's it's a really deep card game and it, it takes you a really long time for it to click and then mm-hmm. once it does, a lot of things start to fall into place and it gets a lot easier. Yeah. But the few, first few matches really do take a long time, especially if you've never played a lot of collectible card games. I mean, I had a, a fairly disastrous Magic the Gathering addiction in high school. <laughs> so I, I started... Danger zone! Yeah, so I started playing it. I'm like, okay, all this stuff is coming back to me. And that kind of strengthened my resolve to never spend money on this because that will... As soon as I give them money, I will be broke and my children will be eating SpaghettiOs out of a trash can. Have you so, kept the promise? 
I have kept that promise. I have not spent any money. I but yeah, it's fun. like I have no plans to stop playing it. Yeah. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, but I'm just kind of I got past the tutorial stage, obviously, because I'm, I'm not I'm not that bad. But just like getting those, winning the different decks, the different kinds of decks, yeah. the classes that you can play, is very difficult. Georgia, what are what are you playing this week? Um, so the game that I just got is called it's an iPhone game and it's called Till Morning's Light. And uh, you play as a teenage girl, and you're trying to fit in, and you're trapped in this haunted mansion with a 200-year-old curse, and you're moving through it. It's kind of creepy. You play. It's best to play with your headphones on, and then you end up collecting things and trying to figure out puzzles and trying to figure your way through it. And it's I like kind of puzzle games, and it's a nice game because it's creepy and enjoyable, but not too stressful. So I'm enjoying it so far. Okay. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and it's nice. Gonna, the graphics are yeah. nice. I'm looking it up right now. Till it's Morning's eight, Light. Th- it's eight dollars. Well, Canadian. I don't know if that makes it. Ugh. Two dollars. So not not real. So that, that's either ninety nine cents or seventeen dollars. One or the other. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and my spleen. <laughs> I don't know. Do they are spleens legal currency in Canada? I think they, so. That's what I heard. Okay. For Simone, they're they're worth double their value. Yeah, I have like five spleens, so it's she not has a, big a fabulous deal. spleen. <laughs> How do you I, know I, about her I, spleen, I Georgia? Oh no, it's getting creepy quick. I'm not saving you from this. Georgia's the one you that comes in your house grave. at night and moves things around, and while she's there, she touches your spleen. <laughs> Bree, what do you know about Simone's spleen? I no, I just want... Georgia. You can tell me. <laughs> the Ascension cult. Are you Kanye? <laughs> Are you Kanye? Kanye knows about Simone's spleen. <laughs> George is in the zone. <laughs> Simone's spleen is ascended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I gotta go, guys. <laughs> well, don't yeah, go before so telling us what you're playing. Spleen, Georgia, down. <laughs> so, what are you playing, Bree? I I don't even have any memory of where I am or how I got here after that conversation. <laughs> I am playing a game called Chrono Trigger. Uh, <gasps> Stop! Hang on, Georgia has to go pick up her spleen. Give her a second. (laughs) Say that again, Brie, because I'm not sure if I heard you right. It's called Chrono Trigger. (laughs) I love Chrono Trigger. Well, who doesn't love Chrono Trigger? I love. No, it's 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 an unnatural love. I I I think she's saying (laughs) that she loves Chrono Trigger like she loves Rob the Robot. I think is what Georgia's trying to say. Wow. Can I tell you, I tried to main Rob the Robot in Smash, and Rob is legit, by the way. If you love Rob the Robot, he is freaking adorable, his animations in Super oh, yeah. Smash, by the way. He he is so well animated, and they made him, like, he will spin gyros and throw them at the at players when they're approaching, and he will have eye lasers they has to charge, and he will just, like, oh, you know what? I will, I will play Smash here. just for that. Oh, it's fantastic. When are you getting your Wii U, Georgia? Like, I don't know. After seeing the paint game, I'm like, Ugh. oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You guys have like, to do oh. like isometric. After seeing Splatoon, I'm like, yeah. that is, that's, who? Hmm. Hmm. Even I'm considering getting a Wii U for that. And I, How do you not have a Wii U? You work for Pixelkin. We have a Wii in the office and Courtney reviews all the Wii games. She has like a monopoly on Wii games. It's that you should try like to see Splatoon thing. so yeah. that you can uh, No, Courtney will Courtney will knife me. She <laughs> will knife me right in the spleen I if I try to like you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, 
My my nickname for Courtney is Captain N because she's the only person who's more obsessed with with Nintendo than Steve is. So, yeah, she could. Steve, you could have like a, a long lost sister, like we, Princess Leia style. Yeah. If Courtney's the captain, then what is Steve? Uh, intern. Uh, intern Ensign. 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 That is, Ensign. you can't degrade Steve like that. Steve is far a far bigger yeah, Nintendo fan than say, you I meant to for. say vice rear admiral. Okay, rear, rear admiral. Rear admiral. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so how is Chrono Trigger Bree? Ah, I'm worried George is going to hurt me. If <laughs> Do you not like it? It's a well-done game. It's a well-done game. But you, you have to understand, like, I'm looking at this with... I haven't played it since, like, 1996, which was before Simone was born. And, <laughs> um, you know, like, it's it's a well-done game. I think the battle system, I remember thinking that it was an improvement on the battle system of Final Fantasy, when, in fact, it's several shades simpler, even though it's more cinematic in nature. Um I also think the 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 plot is it's not it's it's a little bit more geared for children than I remember, which makes sense because I was a child when I was playing. Right, it in right. It's true. I have so, not played it in many years. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's, so you don't think it holds up in comparison to Final I, Fantasy? I think it, no, I, I think mm. Final Fantasy is. I, I think I had an expectation on death, Georgia, and I, I was you. expecting a really. Yeah. It's a really good game. I just it's think like when I watch Knight Rider or something, I'm like, yeah. Oh my god, Knight Rider is not good. You guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, really, whereas where I went Wonder Woman, I'm like, yeah, still interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's why I've been playing primarily. Um, also, oh God, I have to talk about this, guys. Mario Party. My, Simone, have you played Mario Party? Yes, Which one? I have. You've got to play Mario Party Tim. I I've never played a Mario Party. Before. Oh, okay. I don't know. Really? Bree uh, spent a, a, a significant amount of time trying to sell me on Mario Party Ten at it's Fun Spot. So much but fun. If you have like one of the other Mario Parties, I'm just like, really, is it worth it to get? That's always been my problem. I can't answer that, that for you. As is I understand that I, yeah. Bowser Party is new, and Bowser Party is a freaking blast. Yeah. Now, really? like, Jorge, you have children, and Steve, I think you have children. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they were the ones hanging on my legs while I was trying to play Gauntlet. That's what, that's what so I have to imagine, <laughs> you guys, just like me, um, Frank is much lower skilled at video games than I am. And I, I'm not saying that to diss him. Um, he is what weak. I it's true. Y'all know. all the time. Frank takes a hit like every third show. <laughs> but I'm always looking for games I can play with him because it's not, I, I love playing Smash with him. Wait, stop, I, stop, Brie, because you yeah, started yeah. this with, Steve, you have children. <laughs> 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 My point, my point is you can give Bowser to a lesser skilled player. And and the fun of it is Frank is not like he's not as good as I am, but you can give it to him. It gives him this awesome opportunity where you see the glee in his eyes as he is a giant monster tearing across the board and the odds are so stacked in Bowser's favor that it's ridiculous. Like, you need to play Mario Party like it's a survival horror game, right? 
so that's that's the way I see it. Like I'm in Resident Evil, and it's not Claire and Leon. It is Rosalina, Peach, and Daisy and Yoshi, and we're trying to escape Bowser, and we're probably all going to die, and we almost always do. And like to see the glee in Frank's eyes, he's like grabbing the Wiimote up in the air and going and like shaking it, throwing the dice down, and then throwing me into these hellish mini games where I just get utterly destroyed and Frank is like and he's just loving it as he's destroying everyone it is like so great to let the underdog finally win for once and let let me tell you if you do not give the the gamepad to an underdog it becomes a very different story because when we played it here we gave Courtney control of Bowser why would you do that a mistake a horrible mistake it was misery and suffering a very a very short misery and suffering because it did not take her long to destroy us um actually i I may have pulled out a win from that but it was just really sad because in the end nicole was left like sitting on the sidelines and there was no at that point there was no way for her to get back in she was just kind of like ah this this became not fun because even though you know she was losing she she was basically out of the game at that point so how many games did you play of it we did one as a big group okay see like you just that's one of them like sometimes okay we got to pass it around i mean other people you know, have their it's, it's a numerical thing sometimes that does happen but it's 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 a game with a lot of highs and lows like you will think like the best game i've had of it is i was winning i was annihilating bowser we were right there at the finish line and then we didn't get the star for the last one and frank came and just trashed the whole party and it was just the glee in his eyes of going from losing 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 (laughs) for 30 minutes to just showing up and annihilating our team it's just beautiful yeah it's it's good to see him win you know okay yeah. I have to appreciate that. Yeah. And he seems like he deserves a win. He's so. a good guy. One oh. year, at least. Courtney deserves nothing. Courtney deserves... Uh, she's Captain N. She doesn't need to play Spouser. <laughs> I do love Maria Party though, so... Uh, well, we we will we will try it. We will see. I, I've I've got a, like a bias against Mario Party from all the the N sixty four ones, but I will I will give it and the GameCube ones, but Steve, I will give it another I try. Think, you know, I think I've, if your Sprogs came over to our house yeah. and you gave if you get oh I I could imagine like every one of your girls like responding to this oh yeah Bowser probably destroying <laughs> like they would be giggling. The I'm sure they would be. I mean, yeah. the, you've you've seen them when they throw people into the screen in Smash Brothers, so it's probably the same. <laughs> I have. I have. Personally, if I had like Mario Party Eight or Mario Party Nine, I probably wouldn't get this just based on my experience with it. But meh. yeah, I feel like the last one I played is like four or five. So oh. but I they, love yeah. Eight, but I never played the old ones. So again, I don't have any nostalgia um, for those. It, it's kind of like iPhones. You can't if you keep getting each one in sequence, then you're not really impressed with them from from mm, version to version. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I guess I'm the only one left, right? So right, usually it's Maddie who asks me what I'm playing, but Maddie's not here because oh, Maddie's on a Steve, bus. Steve, what are you playing? Okay, <laughs> so I had a few things to talk about, and then yesterday the best thing ever happened and took over my life. So Was are you a Scientologist now? I'm not a Scientologist. I, I have ascended, so I'm not a Scientologist. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we've all talked about Crypto the Necrodancer extensively on this show. So yesterday... Uh, this gentleman named Cutman Mike released a Mega Man total conversion for Crypto the Necrodancer uh-huh. called Crypto the Mega Dancer. And Cute. it is glorious. So cute sounding. 
it is glorious. It's he took every single sprite. All the tiles are tiles from you know the Mega Man stages. He t- he took you know replaced Candice with Mega Man. He switched out all of the enemies for Mega Man enemies. So they're the little guys in the in the hard hats and the the shield guys and and everything. And it is so it, it makes it a completely different game. And it is so much fun. Like I spent an hour tonight just looking for Mega Man music for Mega Man 2 to put on uh, in the custom music in the background to be able to uh, play along to the Mega Man music. And it is it is really, really, really good. I, I just it makes me like happy in a nostalgic way that is really like fantastic. I mean, because, you know, I love that game to begin with. And I love, you know, my love for Mega Man is not a secret. And and that it, oh it was just like like this is made specifically for me to make me happy and and this it was just for you Steve it really was it was so so much fun and just being able to play to like the Airman stage the only the only problem that I'm having is that some of the custom music doesn't really translate well and like the beats are too slow I kind of mess up a little bit but it is oh it was like it, it was like a peanut butter cup just like eating like <laughs> peanut butter cups. Of Mega Man goodness, and it was fantastic. <laughs> Whoa. That's a great description. That is wonderful. Yeah. A peanut butter cup of goodness. Oh, it was it That's was so, show much, title. so good. Well, you know, if the if the chat room was was uh you know had our back, then that would be a show title. But <laughs> yeah, they're slacking off on the job. Ah, now. you never know the chat room. What does the chat room think the title? Your ornery. So um do we have anything else uh in housekeeping that we need to talk about, or are we are we pretty much think we're good for this week right i i did a random trek episode oh, did i just you? wanted to mention it because of brie um where we talked about voyagers the yes gift. which episode voyagers the gift the it's gift? the one which where one? um well, without oh, spoilers but seven leaves? of nine gets her suit yeah in cast leaves okay well there's spoilers oh. <laughs> Oh, now I'm now now I don't need to watch it. Okay, or twelve? I don't know, twenty? I don't know. Um, yeah, and I get to talk about why, uh, how I I dislike Data so much, and why, and my the character that I dislike even more than Data. <gasps> it's not even on Voyager, is it? Maybe. <gasps> like Maddie, Maddie goes away for one episode, and it's just like Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> trolling me about it too i totally don't even know uh so enemies <laughs> uh, uh where am i flying next week so i will be at self-conference and i'm not going there by bus um also yeah so you will make it there i will make it there believe it or not <laughs> Uh, so before we wrap up, Simone, where can people find uh, find out more about you and go listen to you on other other fine podcasts on this network uh, and others? Well, you can totally find – you should go to Pixelkin.org. Um, it's a family gaming website. We really focus on spreading positive information about games and especially helping parents use games to connect with their kids. And we just started our own podcast called Gaming with the Moms. That's on iTunes and at pixelkin.libsyn.com. Uh, the podcast hosting service that everyone uses so you should totally check that out we also have an rss you know set up through that so you can subscribe if you don't use itunes hooray and you can find me on twitter at doom quasar and also everywhere else at doom quasar <laughs> that me that's very dramatic yes 
<laughs> I am very dramatic, Steve. <laughs> oh, I don't jokes. I do not laugh. <laughs> it's a very serious website. I was, you know, I was looking at Pixelkin, but I've noticed it's it's positive, it's positive gaming information, and really, I'm I'm looking for negative gaming information. <laughs> I think that's well, Reddit that you're looking podcast. for. Yeah, it's all me... subliminal, Brie. The negatives, it's it's hidden in there, you oh, know, between the lines. We're interested, barely off-white text hidden between the black text, you know, to give mm-hmm. people the real negative truth about video games. Okay. Go you read know, Courtney. It's Courtney's uh, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror review, and you'll you'll get you'll get your number two. <laughs> oh, Sonic <laughs> Boom, Rise of Lyric. <laughs> <laughs> Simone, you wear sometimes when you laugh. Like you go from being, you go into Ursula laugh for a second yeah. there, <laughs> right there. See, that's <laughs> Ursula. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she's gonna go steal some Dalmatians or something. Yeah, with the Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. I, that's actually, that's where I was born in that oh. film. In Atlantis? Oh. Yeah. Bree, yeah. be careful. She's going to steal your voice. Really <laughs> Ultimately, my goal is to replace my laugh with someone else's laugh by stealing their voice. This is why you're so excited about Splatoon. Yeah. <laughs> Return to my squid roots. <sighs> Wasn't Ursula an octopus, though? Aren't the octopus? She's an octopus. Ah, they're all, they're all crustaceans. It's fine. Oh, octopus or cephalopods cephalophod- or whatever oh, they are. God, yeah. you got it. You got to get your, you know, the, the proper Slander. sea creature. I'm not a, mar- I'm not a marine biologist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find the show notes for this show and every show at relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can send us uh, feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. Please do go rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, that helps us out a ton. Uh, we are, as always, part of the Amazing Relay.fm network where you can go listen to Bree and Simone on Rocket or you can listen to any of the other fine shows on the network. Uh, you can find all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at Isometric Show. I am at Wicked Good. And Bree, where can people find you? I bought the domain last night, Furiosa. I'm sorry, no, uh, uh, DestructaX.com. So now my new email address is Brianna at DestructaX.com after the Taylor Swift video. Uh, you can also find me on the Twitter machine. Just look for the retweets about something controversial, and that's me. <laughs> and if they want to get to you directly? Um, don't do that. I don't like talking to you. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, when Maddie's not on a bus, she can be found at, at Samus Clone. And Georgia, where can people find you? At Kanye. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> Do I? Oh. Do I really? I um... Georgia, just keep an eye on your possessions is all I'm saying. Keep an eye on your spleen, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You know, now after your Ursula thing, I'm actually scared. <laughs> Good. You, you and your eight tentacles. Um... I'm at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. No, no, no. Simone's here. Ray, Simone, one, <laughs> two, three. Terminated. Terminated. Yeah.